Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Economist. From The Economist in London, this is Money Talks, a weekly conversation around themes in the worlds of business, finance, and economics. I'm Stan Pinal, the banking editor. And for the last show of 2015, we want to look forward to next year, Some of you may have seen our annual publication, The World in 2016, as it's called this year, in which economist writers gaze into their proprietary crystal ball. We're not going to delight you with our predictions for the S&P 500 or the dollar-euro exchange rate. Instead, I've asked two of our correspondents, Matthew Valencia, one of our business writers, and Dan Rosenheck, our data editor, to talk about where next year's juiciest scandals are likely to come from. 2015 was a vintage year for skullduggery, from Volkswagen to FIFA, doping in athletics, and always, always more skeletons coming out of finance's closet. Right, Matthew, let's start with you. The odds of us being right on any of this are pretty low, but you have speculated in the world in 2016s on practices in the art market that you think could blow up next year. Yes, well, making predictions is always foolish, particularly so when it comes to corporate and financial scandals. But I've identified a few that I think could be the source of problems over the next year or so. The art market being one of them, because it's a market that probably more than any other now still has Wild West type sort of characteristics. There's a, a, a distinct lack of, of, of regulation, even in the more policed bit of it. In auctions, there has been a sort of a tightening up, but there's still a lot of stuff that goes on. A lot of it sort of goes unreported. For instance, chandelier bidding in which the auction house itself raises the price by pretending the bids are going on when they aren't. A bigger problem probably is straw bidding, where, for instance, you have collectors who don't want the price of works of artists they collect to go, go beneath a certain level. So they will send people in to bid up but without any real intention of buying. And you're saying this is the police bit? So where's the worst stuff going on? Yeah, so that's the bit where there's there's more oversight. The really murky bit of the market is the private sales market where you have millionaires and billionaires who are sort of buying and selling works of art. I'm not necessarily advocating that the regulators sort of flock into this area, but you are going to see a lot of trouble here. You're already seeing um, various cases, various scandals There's going to be a lot of a lot of scrutiny of the role of, of middlemen in the uh, the private sales market. The middlemen have been found to be taking a much bigger cut than than they were supposed to be. In one case, a billionaire discovered um, issues with this just by um, having a chance conversation with somebody who knew the person who bought one of the works that he was selling. I think that's going to either going to blow up or it's certainly going to be sort of read about and reported on more over the coming year or two. Uh, Dan Rosenheck, who are you going to massively offend by suggesting that their business is crooked? <laughs> okay, well, I'll pick up on uh, first. I'll pick up on Matthew's theme with the art market, as far as opaque, unregulated asset classes, and suggest a topic dear to my heart, which is fine wine. Over the past, I guess, fifteen years, there have been two major wine forgery scandals in which skilled counterfeiters duped 
every critic, every taster, and collectors worth you know investing millions of dollars in these liquid assets. Uh, Hardy Rodenstock pulled off most of his scam in Europe, and Rudy Kurniawan did in the U.S. However, within wine circles, it is widely considered that the real rampant, unregulated frontier of this world is in Asia, particularly the auction market centered in Hong Kong. Um, you hear anecdotal reports of just even retail stores there that have shelves and shelves of rare bottles of Burgundy going back to the first half of the 20th century in pristine condition. And I certainly think, particularly as economic conditions in that part of the world turn south, that the time is ripe for the lid to be blown off one of these counterfeit forge, forging examples over there. And I think, you know, one of the things that ties these assets we're talking about together is that, you know, these are generally bought by uh, very wealthy people who may not have a, a particularly good handle on what it is they're buying. They're trophy assets. They may not understand it as well as they should. They often buy with emotion. Yeah. Another thing that ties them together is these millionaires and billionaires aren't necessarily going to fess up if they've been conned. I mean, it's pretty embarrassing if you find out that you've paid $20,000 for a, a bottle of wine that's worth $200. You might just you know, not fess up, drink it, and, and nobody's any the wiser. Uh, Dan, one interesting thing you alluded to is a lot of this stuff uh, happens when economic conditions are strained. It seems likely we would see some more conventional types of scandals, certainly if, if there's a downturn of any sort. Absolutely. Certainly the recent history of the biggest finance and accounting scandals in the world has been closely tied to recessions, either looming or underway with Enron and Bernie Madoff being the two sort of canonical examples. So I think if you want to look for where the next at least accounting scandal is likely to pop up, you should look at places where uh, asset prices have been declining. So that would be emerging markets more broadly, could be Brazil, could be China, uh, any of these places that have had a lot of trouble. And uh, in particular, uh, I would again look at Asia because the accounting practices there are certainly decades behind where they need to be and there's, there's you know exponentially more money coursing through these companies in these markets and the watchdogs haven't nearly been expanding their efforts or professionalism at a sufficient pace to keep up with that. And if I can come in on China there, I mean, there have been oodles of, of accounting scandals of Chinese companies. Short sellers have been very much focused on, on the Chinese, looking at uh, potential problems there. Uh, dozens of Chinese firms have been deregistered from hundreds. the US market. Hundreds, indeed. And now we have a slowdown in China. So I think, you know, one thing we may see is the accounting problems, the accounting issues, the temptation to cook the books spreading from some of these more peripheral companies, perhaps, to larger, more legitimate companies who are sort of essentially trying to keep their heads above water yeah, as the economy slows down. As somebody who likes a good juicy scandal, I'm just a little bit annoyed at these short-selling hedge funds that you were alluding to. So these are, are hedge funds who think they find something wrong in a company, typically a pretty small company, and then short-sell the shares. So basically benefit if, if the if the prices of the shares falls, then they go public, the price tanks, and, and they make That was what happened with Enron. Yeah, but so the Chinese ones are happening, and it's always like $100 million here, $200 million here, and it, they just seem to be intervening very early, and you kind of wish that they'd leave those companies alone until <laughs> there'd be like a much, much bigger scandal. This is like the journalist's lament, I guess. It's, it's, it wouldn't be so good for my for my pension fund. Matthew, uh, another uh, business you wrote about in your World in 2016 piece is the murky world of legal services. 
Yes, that's right. You know, maybe this is wishful thinking on my part, but the billing that law firms do, the billable hour system, which essentially involves law firms putting pressure on their their associates, their their, their lawyers to bill a certain number of hours per year. You know, this is a system that has come in for a lot of criticism over the years. It's still there. It's quite deeply entrenched. You know, there has been a sort of backlash to a certain extent. Some firms have sued over this. There is an invoice auditing cottage industry that looks increasingly at uh, what law firms are doing. And um, I'm not sure whether it's going to be a source of great scandal, but I think it's certainly something that's going to uh, to get more attention. Unless it's one of those ongoing scandals that never blows up into a single moment of crisis because it's just a, a scandal every day. <laughs> yes, well, that, that's quite possible. It has been going on a long time, so it's possible that it just rumbles on and you know you never reach a point where something um, truly scandalous happens or there's a, a court case where it really sort of blows out into the open. I would say that there's another legal issue which is really going to sort of bubble up, and that's the role of lawyers as enablers for tax evasion, tax avoidance, money laundering, financial crime, all of these things which have received a lot more attention since the financial crisis. Obviously, there's been a lot of focus on the parties that are doing this, but you know they need help. They need facilitators, enablers, and law firms are, are key in that, in setting up offshore structures, shell companies, trusts, uh, complex structures that allow people to, to do uh, various dodgy things with money. And in the US, the UK, and a number of other countries, we're seeing regulators and governments starting to focus a lot more on this. I think if, as seems quite possible, there's a big scandal involving a law firm in this area, that would really sort of galvanize um, change. I actually just have a question about that as somebody who used to cover the legal industry for The Economist. Are the firms that are paving the way for these types of financial transactions slash crimes to occur. Are these sort of specialist boutiques that work on offshore or trusts and estates or that kind of thing? Or are they the big name billion dollar firms that have diversified practices? And if so, if they get in hot water in an area like this, is it the kind of thing that could take down a broader firm? I think not. I mean, it seems not to be the Clifford chances of the world and the fresh fields of the world. It's going to be smaller outfits, but some of them are rather large. Uh, In Panama, for instance, you have a number of large law firms which are deeply involved in offshore incorporation. I mean, they're they're essentially sort of incorporation factories for offshore companies and trusts. They've received a lot of attention over the past year or two. I think there's going to be more in other offshore centres as well. So we're not talking about minnows here, but we're not talking about the giants of the industry either. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, accountants used to be in a similar position. They used to do very complicated tax structuring for for some of their clients. And they went from being seen as as mere facilitators of other people's wrongdoing to actually the wrongdoers and themselves uh, landing in hot water. Right. The only sector uh, which is more likely to generate scandal than finance is sports. Dan, you are uh, the Economist sports writer. We've had doping this year. We've had FIFA. Uh, You think 2016 might be the year of match fixing? I was quite distressed, even personally, to see that in November, Singapore released Don Tan, who is accused, at least, of running the world's largest match-fixing organization in uh, football and a number of other sports. When he was arrested, it was widely seen as a sort of a first stab at what prominent critics like uh, the journalist E. Clen Hill say is endemic, surely in Asian leagues, but increasingly in international competitions as well, lower levels of European competitions and creeping up the table. That's a, a 
big warning flag, and it would not surprise me at all if next year we find that really, sir, for the first time in recent memory, that a marquee Western sporting event could be the Olympics, could be something that draws you know millions of Western eyeballs is not on the up and up. I'm going to make a prediction of my own here, and I've been making it for a number of years, but doping in football uh, strikes me as, as, as being overdue and erring. All the incentives are there. Uh, the players have an incentive to dope. They play more matches. They run further and faster. And the uh, safeguards the, aren't there. And the safeguards are absolutely not there. And you kind of see it bubbling away. Everybody's got an incentive to sweep it under the carpet. Uh, and at some point, the whole thing's going to blow off. Uh, I'm going to close off with another prediction, which is uh, I will not be presenting money talks uh, next year. I've been ejected from head office and bound for Mumbai to cover Indian business and finance. Uh, So tune in next week to get a flavor of the new regime. You can find Matthew's piece on scandals uh, in the world in 2016, along with many other projections for the year to come. And as always, you can find the latest news on finance, economics and business at economist.com. In London, this is The Economist. The Economist. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum.